Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Um, I wanted to recommend this. I'll have this down here uh, on the front row. But if you're interested in really kind of digging into this book, uh, we're going to take our time getting through it. I'm not in any kind of hurry to get through Romans. Um, in, in fact, I want to be intentional about going slow. And so I wanted to share this with you. This is uh, by N.T. Wright. Uh, he's alive. He's a modern-day uh, theologian, but um, I respect him greatly. And this is 18 studies for individuals and groups. So this is from his series, uh, N.T. Wright for Everyone, Bible Study Guide. So if you're interested, it breaks down the book of Romans while we're going through it. And I know it's not going to be, you know, tit for tat sort of thing with what I'm doing. um, But this would be a great companion for you to walk through. Uh, I bought this on Amazon this week. I think it was like $7 or something. There's used ones for like 3 bucks. Um, But this will go a long way uh, and kind of open your mind to some of the issues and some of the debates. I'll probably stay fairly neutral on some of them. And when I say that, I mean I'm not going to draw it out and tell you, okay, we're in opposition here, but I'll just give my perspective, my point of view. Um, But my point of view and my perspective is is very much a hybrid. Um, Growing up with the background that I have, Um, You know, it's kind of one way, and and then I've read pretty widely on some of these topics, so I've got kind of like a a hodgepodge perspective on some of these things. So, uh, But this would be something that you could do in your devotion time um, and get through pretty quick and easy read, and and there's great questions. Um, Questions are what we need. You you know what I'm saying? Like, we we often don't uh, ask the right questions or enough questions for that matter. Um, If you really are interested in figuring some things out, whether it's about yourself or scripture or uh, whatever perspective you're coming from, it's just a good idea to to ask a lot of questions. So uh, I'll just leave this down front or right here on the pulpit. Feel free to come up, take a picture of it, um, jump on Amazon, order it, buy it. Um, You will uh, be glad that you did that. Uh, Another announcement today, where's Kayla at? Right there. Kayla is coming on part-time for our worship staff. Uh, So I just wanted to announce that we have been going through a lot of changes in our worship ministry, and we've added a lot more volunteers, and things are getting, we're trying to not let it get complicated with the tracks and different things that we've been using, but I hope you've noticed that worship has leveled up uh, on a lot of of ways and a lot of areas, uh, and a lot of that is because of her hard work and effort, Um, and so she's coming on part-time. Yes, please give her a hand at the church. Amen. Yeah. So it's just really exciting to see um, our staff growing and uh, the Lord doing really, really incredible things. So uh, that's exciting. So uh, give her a hard time. If you don't like worship, just go straight to her, give her an earful, tell her everything you don't like, and that'll be a real good blessing for her as she's just getting started. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, don't do that. But it would be funny. Follow it up at the end with, I'm just joking. But everybody knows you won't be just joking. (laughs) There's always truth in those statements. Oh, me. Let me get set up here. Amen. Okay, let's jump in. Last week, we, uh, the the program wasn't correct 
Um, and we had a, a, a bit of a file blunder, but I believe it's correct this week. Uh, and there's a lot of extra scripture. And the goal last week, and, and if you uh, have some time during the week, Cody and I uh, record a podcast that typically comes out Thursdays, uh, depending on uh, the fellow in Colorado who, who edits that and produces it for us. But um, the companion, the sermon companion that we do to that, do uh, for that, for that podcast is, is live. And you can kind of, the easy way to do it is if you listen on Spotify, just subscribe to the church's, Amanda Brandon, good to see you guys, uh, just subscribe to the church's uh, channel and then you'll get notifications as, as long as you turn those on. Uh, and then there's a message and a podcast every week. So listen to that and we get into more things uh, within that podcast. Um, but I'll say this, I felt like last week was just a good overview of who Paul is. Uh, and so I hope it was a help, I hope it was a blessing, uh, but really my goal, the, the whole goal and intent of that message was to say, uh, this is who the author is. And, and for us to be able to approach this book uh, with reverence and with understanding to how important this work is. It's very important work. Um, and some of these verses, these, these are some of the things we covered. Uh, 2, 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 33. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 25. Acts chapter 13, verses 9 through 10, where Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was first called Paul. So we covered all of that last week. And I would encourage you, if you weren't here um, go back and listen to the message because it really sets the tone. But this week, I'm going to pick up where I left off. Mark, good to see you. Uh, I'm going to pick up right where I left off, and we won't, we won't actually be too long this morning because we have communion. And I want to spend some time uh, this morning on communion. We have another song, um, and just really giving you some time to uh, pour out your heart to the Lord and, and do business with God. I, I need it. I, I know I need some time this morning um, just in communion. So I'm going to make space for myself. And if any of y'all need to, uh, take advantage of that time. Uh, so I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I also want to finish this introduction. And that's what this message is. This is really an intro to the book of Romans. Um, so let's go back to uh, Romans chapter 1, and we'll read our text, Romans 1, uh, 1 through 15. Let me pull this up here one second. And let's see here. Here we go. I want to pull my Bible up. I'm going, to bounce, I'm going to bounce around just a little bit. I know that's hard to believe that I'm going to bounce around a little bit. I'm just feeling it. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, and let me get my notes in here. Let's, yeah, let's go back. And if you have the program, it should be right there. We're going to go to Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read that again. Um, I'll do just a little bit. I'll touch just a little bit on some of the things that we touched on last week, and then we'll, we'll continue and pick up there. I'm going to pray one more time, and uh, you pray in your heart. Father, we pray that you would speak through your word. Give me the words to say. Uh, Father, this is just such an important introduction uh, to a book that I know we need, that I know your church needs. And so, Father, I pray that you would just minister to us, and even uh, through communion and through the end of, of this uh, service, Father, just continue to work and move in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So let's go right there. Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 15. I'm reading from the CSB. Uh, if you have your phones, you can change those translations to whichever one you prefer, except a trash one like the message. Uh, but anyway, just kidding, but seriously. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is really where we'll pick up today. Who is a descendant of who? Mm-hmm. A descendant of David, according to the what? According to the flesh. Let's see if we can get a little bit more buy-in here. Uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is a descendant of who? David. Turn to your neighbor and say David. 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 Uh, say King David. All right, according to the what? The flesh. Turn to your neighbor and say the flesh. <laughs> say the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. I think that's backwards. All right, here we go. And was appointed to be the powerful, look at this one, son of God. So first it says he was a descendant of who? David in the flesh, but he was also... Uh, a powerful, appointed to be the powerful son of God, according to the who? The spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Turn to your neighbor and say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Put a little southern twang in there. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. <laughs> Through him we have received grace. I, look, I'm going to just apologize ahead of time. I'm in a weird mood today. It is what it is, Okay. It's just about being consistent, getting through. <laughs> through him, we have received grace and apostleship. Now, that word apostleship should mean something from last week, right? Grace and apostleship to bring about, watch this wording, the obedience of what? Faith. Of faith. And, and he's going to use that term, uh, and we're going to see that connected to really the thesis statement in verse 16 and 17. So let's keep going. Uh, received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in where? Rome. So this letter is written and sent to Rome. In this book, uh, The Study Guide, you'll find that uh, N.T. Wright brings out the point that many of the, the rich lived in the hills, lived in the high places. The emperor won when Jesus was born, uh, I think it was Augustine, Caesar Augustus, uh, he basically had control over one whole mountain uh, where he lived. And so uh, down by the rivers in the valleys were the places where the common folk or the poor folk uh, were to live. And so if you consider the fact that this letter written to this place uh, probably for the first time, as we're reading it, was read to and in near a lower part of this city in Rome, a gathering of believers probably huddled in a smaller house where they could then read this letter aloud and other folks could receive it way down the mountain. And this is kind of like where we are, receiving this letter Considering the fact it was written to Rome, and here we are echoing this. Can, I mean, does that not like transcend in your mind a little bit that this letter was read to these folks 
some 2,000 years ago in the lower parts of the city, this was an encouragement. This was life-giving for them. Not up on the mountain, but down in the valley, understanding that there was something different happening. There was a change in the atmosphere where one would look at the high mountain where Caesar Augustus or the ruling emperor as God, right? That's the culture, the mindset. There's Greeks and everybody else, right? The, the mindset for them is that the emperor, the ruler is God essentially on this mountain. And here's this letter, this proclamation, this Young Gillian, the good news has come to the lower parts. I might be, I don't know if I'm too loud, if it's just the monitors, I'm not sure. Uh, But it's coming to the, the lower parts of the community. And what's being said is, you're about to enter into kingship. You're about to, from your position, understand what it's like to live on top of the mountain. Through who? Through Jesus Christ. This is a shift in the atmosphere that's happening, this letter that's going out. So let's keep going. To all who are in Rome, loved by God. You might check that online, Kyle. I don't know if it killed it too much. Okay. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. We're going to dig into this too today. First, I thank God, and if you're in your Bible, it might say Paul's desire to visit Rome. It does in mine. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. Remember, Paul hasn't been there yet. Paul didn't plant this church. Seems like from, verse, from chapter 15, where we're going to get into, seems like Paul has family there. We know he was a Roman citizen. Uh, so the news has traveled, and you see it. It's been reported everywhere um, that their faith is is going out. Verse 9, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit telling in the good news about who? That's right, his son. That I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you. Now watch this. So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to the Greeks and barbarians." both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Now, the next two verses here are the thesis statement for this entire book. It's accepted and agreed upon by most that these next two verses are what everything is built around. Let's read it together. Verse 16. If you follow... uh, like Reach Records or Lecrae or any Christian rapper that has anything to do with Lecrae. They're, they're called the 116 click. Romans 1, 16. That's where this comes from. Here's the verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel 
because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Now this is key, watch this. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now remember, we just got done preaching a series in what book? Habakkuk. We just went through Habakkuk. And there was a similar line from Habakkuk, right? That talks about the just, what? Living by faith. It's, a new te- it's, a, it's in, right here in the New Testament. It's an Old Testament quote of Habakkuk. Paul understanding what the prophets had, have, had said before. Many Old Testament quotes all throughout here. But he's bringing together this idea, this understanding, this news, this proclamation. It's a shift. It's a big shift. It's a monumental epoch in the time of the church. And these two verses really mark it. And we'll we'll probably spend spend next week, uh, just next week, talking about uh, these two verses, maybe even more than that. But... Um, we'll get there. But those two verses are really what everything is built around. He's not ashamed of the news, the good news, of the power of God for salvation, right? To everyone who believes. Think about the emperor. Think about, this is a challenge. Do you understand that? This is like saying, we have news that God's righteousness God's power is, has come to you. But in that culture and in that modern day, the God was who? The emperor. And their gods. I mean, this is like a, this is a big thing. This is not what an emperor wants his people huddled together in the house down the hill reading and proclaiming among themselves. But this letter radically changed the church. Those two verses This school of thought, this change in the atmosphere was something they couldn't stop. Empires rise and fall, but Jesus remains the same. So let's go back a little bit. Let's double back. So we talked about verses 1 through 7 last week. Paul says, I'm born a slave to Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And here's where we pick up today. Verse number 3, if we look at it. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, appointed to be a powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Uh, we, we see it's through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles. Here's what I have here. I put, as much as I would like to talk to you about how much my life has changed, Paul is saying this, it really isn't about me, it's about Jesus. And and when you put that in context with the story of Paul's life and what he went through, when you put that in context of everything that he had been through, his whole entire testimony, he says, listen, I'm really just a mouthpiece for who he is. And then he begins to explain a little bit about Jesus, right? Actually, a lot of bad about him, (laughs) but but you get my point. Here's what he says. He says, you see, Jesus was human. That's the son of David aspect. All of this is important for you to understand. And maybe 
you're like, why is this so important that we're handling these details? Trust me, it builds. It grows. For you to understand that Jesus was man and that Jesus was God is for you to get a broader understanding and a broader picture of the depth of the gospel. He first had to be the son of man. He had to be born. He was, he, he was born to what? To die. But here's how he portrays it. He says, you see, Jesus was a human. Not just a human, he was the son of David. Here's what Paul is saying. Considering the fact last week that we talked about there's roughly 50,000 uh, Jew, Jews in this population, and that that was primarily the makeup of the church, Paul's talking to his family members, right? Those that have received the gospel here, so we know probably that they were what? What were they? They were Jews. And, and, and Paul is the, the missionary or the, the person that God is selecting to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he first lays the groundwork, and many people say that it was just because of the order that the gospel came in. Remember that God chose a nation, the nation of, of who? The nation of Israel. And they were the vehicle, and so that's why Paul continued in that, where when he went to a new city, he always first went to the synagogue. And, and scripture, it says uh, in his letters, I go to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. And what I see is he's telling them the perspective shift, the change that's happened in his heart. And we know it was miraculous, right, from last week's message, but what he's saying is, brothers, you have to see the big picture. Brothers and sisters, understand that this is bigger than any one of us. So as he reads this, this letter is being read there in Rome. It's Jesus is the son of David. So immediately, pride swells up in their heart. Immediately, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Here we are uh, operating in Roman jurisdiction, but we're really uh, right. It's really our system. It's our faith. Yes, it is, brothers and sisters. Yes, you have been through exile after exile and tragedy and trauma. Uh, yes, I understand that, but guess what? He's not just the son of David. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He is the one that was written about in the prophets in uh, whatever perspective you're coming from. I believe that that was veiled so that he could carry out the work of the gospel. And here he is. And now the gospel is not just for sons and daughters of David, but it is sons and daughters of every nation. So first he says to them, He's related to you. Jesus is related to you. Jesus comes from the line and the lineage that you come from. Here's another way of saying it. Jesus understands your struggle. Do you see the weight there? He's the son of David, written to these people that are now down the mountain a little ways, not living on top of the hill. But one day they were, they were thinking about what they once were. Son of David, son of David. Jesus understands your struggle. Here's another thing that I see that Paul's framing. Jesus gets your family situation. Look at it, verse number three. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, 
who is the descendant of David according to the flesh. But watch this. And was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. So not only was he the son of David, he was the son of God. So here's what he's saying about this. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, rose from the dead. Look at the text. Look what it says. The spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The son of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, raising him from the dead. Jesus continues your family legacy into the supernatural. You you want to be associated, yes, Father Abraham, yes, your nation, yes, all the things that God has done for you, proving that you were chosen by God, but God has a different plan coming out of this. You, You see, even Jesus, when he faced death, he was raised to life by the Holy Spirit of God. He was the chosen one. He was the one that was to carry your lineage on. But you see, many of them had the mindset, and we saw this when Jesus came, that they wanted the natural leader. They wanted the natural king. They wanted the natural world put in their control and in their perspective from the son of David aspect. And they said, he's the son of God. He transcends your descendants. And and he gives you an opportunity to continue, not just in this life, and I think Cody alluded to this, uh, uh, you know, what was it, uh, two weeks ago when he preached. Cain building a city. Why? Because they believed that they lived on in their son's name, in what they uh, built, and what that legacy was that continued on. So what he's saying here is, There's a shift from the son of David to the son of God. There's a shift from you being a a, a family member that inherits a name in the natural world to you inheriting something that is supernatural. Peter, Peter said that there is a crown that is incorruptible, that is laid up for you in glory. There is a line, right? It's all this descendant language. You are now a royal, what, priest. This this language that is being established coming from an Old Testament understanding of who their family was, Paul is basically setting the stage for, you're gonna have to make room at your table for other people that aren't like you. You're going to have to make room at your table, son of David, for other sons and daughters because, yes, he was the fulfillment of that Davidic covenant, but he's also the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And that covenant says that when he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he conquered it for everybody. Isn't it funny that we still get clicky today in 2022? Wow, that was a big sigh. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) we still do it today. We have our social constructs. And if Paul wrote a letter to you, how much of the minutia would he he have to wade through to get you to accept the fact that you should be loving everyone? (laughs) How much minutia would would he have to wade through to get you to understand that it's not about you, it's not about your bloodline? And I'll say this, like there are still people who believe arrogantly that it is their bloodline specifically. 
There's a lot of doctrine out there that says that, and and without completely, well, I kind of already showed my cards there. We're being grafted in, right? That's language that he's going to be using. And the point of Paul's ministry is that he was going to the Gentiles, the other nations. So what what I want you to see is his mindset here. He didn't do away with. He's saying Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus brings purpose to your pain. Jesus brings understanding to your struggle. He doesn't say it's for naught. He doesn't say it doesn't mean anything. He came down as a Jew, as one of you, but he had purpose in that. Sometimes we wake up and we're like, is what I'm doing for the right purpose and the right reason? Anybody else have that feeling? Where it's like, you, you, you stop, take a breath. My wife and I were talking about this. You stop and you take a breath and you kind of come up from the water, right, so to speak. All that you're swimming in. And you're like, is all this work and effort and energy that I'm putting in going to the purpose of what God wants me to accomplish in my life? Or am I just building my own kingdom? Or am I just perpetuating my own name? Does the son of David mean more to me than the son of God aspect? Does my family line mean more to me than God's line, than his royal line, than what transcends what we see? Do we truly have a mindset for what is above nature, for the supernatural? Or are we just stuck in this son of David realm? Many of these Jews were stuck in the son of David realm. Peter included. You you follow me? This is important language for us to understand. It's important language for us to digest and for us to say, listen, I don't know about you, but I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want resurrection power in my life. I want Jesus to come in my life and do something greater than what I could do on my own. That's his power, not mine. That's God's righteousness, not my righteousness. How many of us will never receive and get what we need because we're doing it instead of letting God do it through us? That's what he's saying. He says this, through him, look at it, verse 5, through him, I know we're walking slow through this, but it's, I think it's necessary. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring out the obedience of faith. That's so loaded. For the sake of his name among the Gentiles. Paul's like, wham. <laughs> We're going to bring out, through him, we've received something. We've received grace and apostleship. What was that apostleship? We've received our assignment to proclaim his name. We've received our assignment to promote who Jesus was, why? For obedience of faith among the what? The Gentiles. I can just imagine some of them being like, Haha, see you, bro. Deuce. I ain't coming back. It's weird. Strange. Strange. Here's what he's saying. We receive the ability to grow and share our faith through Jesus. 
This means that it is not a work of our own making. Paul is setting the tone for this letter by saying, watch this, this is important. Our works did not originate with us, nor should our works promote us. We should remain nameless in this transaction. This is critical to your faith growing in obedience. If, watch this, if my obedience in faith is to promote his name, then I must bear his name and be nameless. I'm reading this book, it's called Bearing the Name by Carmen Imes, who's a really excellent Hebrew scholar, modern day um, author. And she talks about how incredible, I'm shooting from the hip here, this is not, it's not in there, but she talks about how the sprinkling of the blood, the covenant blood, was the priest would throw the, on all the Israelites, picturing the fact that God's covenant was for all of them. God made a covenant with every Israelite that every one of them should bear the name of Yahweh in how they lived and represented. That's why the commands were given to the who? The people. You, you have to see like, Gods don't do that. Gods don't yield their representation to the people for them to carry out the work of bearing their God's name. Yahweh said, I will, I will allow you to bear or represent my name. God has been doing this from all the way from the old covenant to the new. F follow that logic there. That this is transcendent from the children of Israel, each one of them being uh, a bearer of that covenant name to now each one of us bearing the name, each one of us being a priest, each one of us being a, a king in that relationship. That didn't happen. You had king, God, and peasantry. The relationship that our God has is I'm coming to you and I'm enacting in you the ability to be restored to community and fellowship with me. Most, most other relationships as it pertains to gods and peasants is don't kill me. I'll do whatever. Sacrifice whatever. Sacrifice your children unto the God so that the God would give. And has anybody studied any ancient religions, how those relationships went with those gods of other nations? What they required and what they asked for from their people? God said, my name, Yahweh, here's my requirement, that you bear my name. My requirement is that you show my laws to other people. You show that I am actually the one true God. You show that to every nation by living this sort of way. What I'm getting at is Paul's wording here is consistent with the Old Testament. It's in line with it. For, for folks to say that the new covenant is divorced from the old and those are weird old laws, no, a lot of them were, uh, they made sense contextually for their day and how they lived their lives. But Paul is literally saying, the same thing. And the Jews would have understood. Oh my, I just whacked myself. The Jews would have understood it. And they would have said, look, uh, yeah, I kind of get that language. But what you're saying is that I'm going to represent it so that they can be a part of the family too? 
That's the whole design from the beginning. We'll get into it more in the coming of, 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 the, of this study, how much Old Testament is here. But we receive the ability to grow and share our faith through Jesus. Why is this so important? Can you use this filter at all? That all faith had to originate with Jesus and comes to you? Can you read, read this with me if you look at it? Through him, we receive grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith. Not I obey and I do good and then I receive. Does anybody see the, the difference there and the importance in that? Maybe you just don't care about it as much as I do. <laughs> Y'all like, yeah, I see it. All right, All right it's 11.04. Time's ticking. Let's move on to the next one, Pastor. All right, I get it but I ain't moving on yet. (laughs) Let me help you with something. If you've ever been a part of a religious system that required things of you to receive things from them, they're wrong. You you, you follow me here. I, I I want you to understand what Paul is saying, that you've received the gift... And that word and that language is going to continue. You've received something through Jesus Christ in order for you to have obedient faith. In order for you to live a certain kind of way, uh, something had to be done uh, that that was uh, uh, predicted before you, predetermined before your action. And before you think that I'm just some kind of like Calvinist living in a lecture, I'm not. My point is, is as he gets to, there is none that are righteous, no, not one. If you're here today, and you're here because you're trying to do good to earn favor, let me just, let, let, let me just take the phone off the hook. Remember that? And you just leave it there, and you're like, nah, 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 nah. Just take that phone off and set it right there. That's going to get you nowhere. It's literally going to get you nowhere. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of who? God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And many of you will say, Pastor, I get it. I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. I know there's nothing good that comes from me, and and I trust fully in him. But when it comes to your obedient faith as a Christian, it's all about you. So, so I push back and I say, why is it that you're upset? Why is it that you get bent out of shape? Why is it that you're not faithful? Why is it when it gets hard, they disappear, they leave? You understand what I'm saying? Why is it that we have to pray in faith for all of those that don't continue to persevere through it? Because people don't get this truth. I'm not here because I've got it together. The exact opposite is true. I don't have it together. I'm an absolute wreck. I'm a mess. And if I am going to be obedient in faith, it's because I receive it from him. That one truth will change your entire Christian life. That one truth will unlock and empower you to actually be faithful. If I had to be faithful to earn my merit badge, listen, that only works for a certain personality type, and you know who you are. And they're typically the ones that are in position in churches. They're ready to receive their next badge. Right there, pin it right there. I iron that spot for it right there. <laughs> Titles mean a, a lot to those people. 
And, and I'm not, there's a place for you in the church too. I'm trying not to diminish or make fun or poke fun of your personality. Everybody's different. But at the core and at the root of our faith is not do. At the core and root of our faith is done. And that's what he's saying. If you brush over this, if you, if you just read fast and say that, verse number five, through him we receive grace. Of course through him he died. Of course he did all those things for me so that I can. It says through him we receive to bring about obedience of faith. Understand this, for the sake of the name among the Gentiles, this is why people don't reach people. Why is it that my faith is not transferred to someone else? Why is it that no one ever comes to church? Why is it that people don't see Jesus in me? Because they're only seeing you. If we talked more about him and less about us, we would be bearing his name. We would be remaining nameless. Paul is like, I'm an apostle. I'm just a messenger. I'm number one marketer for the name of Jesus. Before, I'm a Benjamite. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, blameless. I can make a rap of all Paul's titles. He was the Sanhedrin. He had clout. He had position. He had money. And on the other side of it, he said, I don't even want my name. I just want his name. I received something from him that became the substance of grace. Man, we just miss it so much. We make it about our duties, about our church membership, about showing up, about serving, about all those things, rather than about the fact that we're doing everything because he's given us grace. And if he has in turn given you grace, what makes you better than the next guy? What makes you better than the next gal? Nothing. For the sake of his name among the who? The Gentiles. Why do people not care about other people? Because they're wrapped up in themselves. That one verse, every Christian needs to like read that daily, weekly. And it's, that verse is through many verses of, of, of scripture. But do we understand this concept of what Paul is saying? We receive the ability to grow and share our faith in our faith through Jesus. Okay, verse number eight, look at it. Verse number eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. See how consistent he is in his wording? Through who? Jesus Christ. Paul's practicing what he's what? What he's preaching. He's practicing it. He says, first, I, I want to thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. So here's, here's the question. Why does Paul want to visit Rome? Why does Paul want to go there? Did you get the feeling in this letter that he really desires to go and visit? Did anybody get that sense there? So I thought about that. I'm like, he really wants to go. Bro, just cash in your points and go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, get over there. I guess it wasn't that simple. And we know he was being detained and he was evading people trying to kill him. Third missionary journey. He'd been through a lot. But he still had this really strong desire. And I think for me... Like, I have, I have a lot of, like, strong desires for what I want to see the Lord do in my life and in my family's lives. And, and how do I calibrate those things? 
You know what I mean? Like, how do I, how do I prioritize what it is that I'm trying to accomplish for the Lord? Sometimes, doesn't it seem that we can be a little all over the place? Where it's like, what really matters? Well, what mattered to him was going where? Going to Rome. So I think there's something here for us to glean from his desire to go there. I think there's some things. So here's, here's what I wrote down. There's three things that I see here. Verses 8 through 10, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news that your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son, that I constantly make mention of you. Always asking in my prayers that if somehow in God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Here's what I see. Number one, something good is happening. Why does Paul want to go there? Why does he want to go to Rome? How did a letter land at that house saying, guys, Paul wants to come here? You know the crazy guy? The one who went through all that dramatic life change? He wants to come here. Why did he want to go there? Because something was happening. So that's really simple. I know. But it makes a lot of sense. Why do you want to go where you want to go? Why do you want to do what you want to do? Do you want to do what you want to do? Or do you want to go somewhere because something is happening? How does that translate? Oh, it translates. Think back to all of your trips. What do we, here's a prime example, right? Maybe this fits, maybe it doesn't. I think it fits. What are the biggest thing, things that we look forward to in our yearly schedule? Come on now. I knew you would say it first. <laughs> oh, that was funny. I needed that. That was good. Vacations. What's, what does that word sound like? Vacate. <laughs> I want to get out. I want to run. Take me away. <laughs> get me up out of here. Right? Yes, there is recharge and relaxation and Shabbat. We all need to rest. But how many know that there's an element in our lives that we've hit this point as Americans that we just want to run? We just want to get away from it. There was something different. Paul is like, I take my vacations to the heat of the battle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to come there. I want to go. I want to be a part. Why? I've heard so many people are believing. So many people are converting. There's a different desire in the way that this dude vacations. <laughs> There's a different burn there. He's like, look, something good is happening. And here's my thought. Can we be driven for what drives heaven? If something is being talked about in heaven, we ought to be the first on the scene. What do I mean? What, what gets people excited in heaven when a sinner what? repents. When a sinner comes to Jesus, heaven is, ec is ecstatic about it. We should want to rush to those moments where people are turned from darkness to light. We should be overwhelmed with having that experience. What is it in your mind that you are like, I can't wait until? What if it was, I can't wait until I lead my first person to Jesus? I can't wait until I experience someone walking from darkness into light. I can't wait until we blow this wall out of church and see more people come. Why? Because something is what? Happening. Look, 
Paul wanted to go there because something was happening. Look, I want something to happen here. I want, I want to feel it. I want to experience it. I want to be in it. When things are dead, when things are stagnant, that's when flies come around. That's when the flies show up. And you know, flies were always a picture of demonic activity. The Lord of the flies, Beelzebub. And frankly, it took 40 days. Remember this from our fasting teaching. It took 40 days to cure, to kill out the last of the flies that came around, which is why you experience 40 days of prayer, prayer and fasting. If you find yourself going to the train wreck, if you find yourself only gossiping, if you find yourself only gravitating towards things that are tragedy and trauma, you're a fly. Exact good one. <laughs> That's not Paul's intent. That's not Paul's desire. Paul said, I want to come to you because it's alive, not because it's dead. Look, we really need to change our perspective. We really need to see what we're attracted to and decide whether or not we're right with the Lord or not. Are you constantly running away from what God is trying to do in your life? Or are you inviting it in to this space Lord, I'm ready for you. When we take communion in, in, in a moment, it is, Lord, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of what? Mine enemies. I don't, I don't care. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in your presence. I want your presence. I want it more than anything. I just want to stay at your feet. I want to dwell in your house. You see the language even that the psalmist used? Can that be described by our society today? No. Sometimes we fit the bill of a fly more than we do of a sweet-smelling savor of his spirit. Look, we got to flip the script. Why did he want to go to Rome? Something good was happening, number one. Number two, why else did he want to go to Rome? Something is also needed. Look at verse number 11. This is a little controversial. Y'all come on up and get set up for your song. This is a little controversial. Number 11, look at verse number 11. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Do you see it? That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I'll keep reading verse 13. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now in order that I might have a fruitful ministry, watch this, among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles, I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Here's the, the next reason he wanted to go to Rome, is something was needed for you and for me. This word here, if you look at it, it says, uh, if I can find it here, for I want very much to see you so that I may impart to you, it says some, verse 11, spiritual gift. Do you know the word that he used there is charisma? Same, same word as spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians between 12 and 14. He's saying, I have a spiritual gift I need to give to you, and you have one that I want to what? Receive. Paul said, I want to come to you because something is needed for you. When was the last time... 
was the last time we thought about what someone else needed that we had and we wanted to give it to them? Now watch this. We automatically, in our minds, we go to the physical. A tank of gas, a, a meal. That's not what he was concerned with. What was he concerned with? A spiritual gift. I'm so eager to get to you. Why? Because I know that my spiritual gift is going to plug right into what you've got going on. And more than that, a charisma, charismatic, comes from that word, charisma. The spiritual gift that God would use me to impart to you, I know that the word of God doesn't return void. He's going to give me something in return. Church, what am I getting at? I want the church of Rome right here. I want something to happen in this room. I want us to be obedient in faith. I want us to grow in our obedience of faith. I want to receive something from you, and I want you to receive something from me. Do you see? This is the foundation of the letter. Some of you are walking around discouraged, and someone in this room has the gift of encouragement, but you don't come around enough to receive it. Some, some of you are literally wallowing in depression and anxiety and God has someone in this room to edify and lift you up, but you run from it. I desire that I can come, that I may give to you and I may receive from you. That's the church. That's how it's supposed to work. Spiritual gifts were given to the church to build and increase faith. If you're here and you're lost and you say, I don't believe, I've got some belief for you. I can give it to you. I can package it however you want it because it ain't me, it's him. Do you see how this whole letter is being postured? Do you see it? My desire is that I can come to you and impart a spiritual gift and receive a spiritual gift. Why, why? Because I'm gonna preach the gospel. I got some good news, and I'm going to tell everybody, and that good news, watch, not even the emperor can stop it because he thinks he's king upon his hill, but there's a mountain in heaven that's coming down to earth. There's a kingdom of heaven that is far greater, far wider, far vaster than any kingdom any man could ever build on this planet. It is all through the name of Jesus. You don't believe me. He built his kingdom by dying, not by killing someone else. He built his kingdom by surrender, not by victory. He obtained the victory in the keys of death because he defeated it in surrender. It's an upside-down kingdom. But we chase the wrong kingdom, don't we? Here's the thing. If you're a believer here today, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then that means you know what it took. You know the sacrifice. Am I right? I hope his body that was broken for you, his blood that was shed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no what? Remission. Paul said, I understand that everything I'm doing is through the vicarious death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we take of this sacrament, this is a picture of that. A gluten-free picture of that, Ryan. <laughs> Church, listen to me. You need to have a moment with Jesus. 
you need to have a connection with Jesus. You need to create space. What are you talking about space? Like, space. You need to clear the table and have a meal, a communion of remembrance with him. I do it all the time. Watch, follow me. Are you running to good things? That's the litmus test here. Are you bringing people to Jesus? Well, not really. Okay, then let's hit the reset button. Let's cause something to happen in the spiritual realm that far will outlast the physical realm. Look, I get it. I'm a driven person too. We can have goals. I'm not preaching against that. We can have things in our mind that we deal with, benchmarks for our children, but those things cannot drown out the noise of the Spirit of God. They must flow from them. Let that life flow through you. Let's create some space for the Lord. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.